longed to see her mistress dressed in the latest fashions. But there had never been any man in Harriet's rich, well-ordered life to spur her on to prettify herself. She was a woman of middle height, with thick jet-black hair, large green eyes, and a thin, clever face. Nothing exciting had ever happened to Harriet, and she dreamed of neither romance nor adventure. The immense relief she had felt when she had learned about her legacy had never left her, and she felt she was the most fortunate of women. Most of the friends of her youth produced baby after baby with clockwork regularity and were worn out by the time they had reached her age. Some were married to brutish men and some to fools. Her gratitude for her single state kept her tranquil and happy. The sky outside the carriage windows was dark and leaden. She asked the maid to light the lamp inside the carriage so that she might see to read and settle back to her book. Lucy did as she was bid and then sat down again opposite her mistress. She had been employed as maid by Harriet shortly after the death of Harriet's parents. The late Mr. Tremaine had been a feckless gambler and had left little but debts. Then, the week after the funeral, the news of her legacy had arrived. Lucy remembered how she had assumed that after a period of mourning, the young Harriet would find a suitable lady to sponsor her at the season. She had been amazed when Harriet, only twenty, had announced her determination to sell the family home and estates in the country and move to London to set up her own residence. For once, the usually silent Lucy had found her voice to suggest that Miss Tremaine find a chaperone. But Harriet had merely looked amused and said she had been given a passport to freedom from marriage and childbearing. The friends that Harriet had made in London Lucy found boring. They were sensible, plain-featured, bookish ladies, much given to debating on subjects Lucy thought ought to be left to the men. The only social events Harriet attended were the playhouse and the opera. At the opera she did not visit anyone in other boxes, and no one visited her, and she never went to the opera ball. At the playhouse she arrived at the beginning of the play and left at the end before the harlequinade. There had been various suitors attracted by her fortune, but Harriet had managed to snub them all. Lucy knew of the reason for this journey and hoped Harriet would sponsor her niece. The maid settled back comfortably, placed her feet on one of the hot bricks, and dreamed of showing off her handiwork to society. She did hope the girl would turn out to be pretty. Harriet stopped for the night at the Cromwell Posting House at four in the afternoon. What light there had been during the day was fast fading from the sky, and snowflakes were beginning to whirl about the carriage as it drove under the game-festooned arch of the posting-house. In the entrance hall, sides of beef and pies were exhibited in glass cases like precious objet d'art. The landlord came out, bowing and scraping. Harriet had stopped at his posting-house before on her infrequent visits to her sister. She was conducted upstairs to a handsome bedchamber and told that her usual private parlour had been reserved for her. Dinner would be served at five. Harriet washed and changed, 
Lucy, who had been feeling travel sick for the last stage of the journey, asked if she might have a tray in her room. Harriet agreed, saw that the inn-servants had been instructed to look after her maid's comfort, made sure the other servants were comfortably housed, took a worried look out at the fast-falling snow, and then went to the private parlour at the end of the corridor, prepared to enjoy her dinner for the posting house had a good cook and she found she was extremely hungry. She stopped short on the threshold. A man was standing by the fireplace with one booted foot resting on the fender. He was extremely tall and powerfully built. As if conscious of her stare, he swung around and surveyed her. He had very red hair, which he wore unpowdered, a handsome face of somewhat harsh grey eyes, a proud nose, firm mouth, and long eyelashes that did